0: After a longer hiatus than we wanted, the Phoenix Magazine podcast is back. This week, we have uh, two parts to the podcast, and we are splitting them up. Uh, Same interview that we did with the Guild guys, as I like to call them. It's Rob Fulmer and Andrew Bauman from the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild. We sat down, Johan and I sat down with them uh, last week on... Thursday after a couple of beers at Fate at their offices to chat a little bit about uh, beer awards, festivals, how beer laws in this state have really evolved thanks to their work behind the scenes. Uh, It's a really big deep dive into the growth of craft beer here in Arizona and how it all came to be and really within the last 10 to 20 years. Um, Bigger, I guess, if you will, uh, the last 10 years, so... Remember, the Best of the Valley issue is out on newsstands right now. Also, uh, become a subscriber. It's the easiest way to get that. It shows up in your mailbox. The, the the issue is so robust. Loves on local. All of our favorite things in the Valley, from food to people, places to shop, things to do in the Valley, yearly uh, annual events that we love so much, um, the, the people that make the Valley uh, your your place to live why you choose to live here what we focus on with the best of the valley issue every month it's on newsstands now check it out uh, all the contents also phoenixmag.com and the phoenix app for now let's uh, kick it over to ourselves with rob and andrew from the guild All right, so uh, Johan, we're here on location the I know. the palatial uh, offices of the Arizona Craft Brewers yeah. Guild. Palatial. Guys, already
1: are jumping in
2: the recording. Wow, it's amazing
3: with the uh, Honorable Rob Fulmer and Andrew <laughs> Browning.
0: This is like the People's Court. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ta-na. Well, well ta-na, let me first say ta-na. congrats on 25 years of the Guild, guys. That's a that's a great accomplishment. Um, what what's what do you guys do for for a 25 year anniversary?
1: Oh, we're doing celebrations through the whole year. mostly just here on the pod. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, we we have uh twenty-five year anniversary signs. There's one up there, but you can't see it on the cameras, but we'll 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 pull in tight for one. We have uh that uh we we actually um could have started anytime this year, but we're gonna run um a little something something for all of our events moving forward, starting with, uh, Wickenberg or maybe today, right? Like we, we're talking about it now. Oh um, yeah. Five great. Um, so hopefully we'll get some breweries to do some, something special, uh, uh, for, uh, some of our events or on their own. Um, but we'll run a, you know, a, an acknowledgement of 25 years at all of our events, um, all the way through beer week. So next year,
3: how long have you guys been with the guild?
2: Um, actually November 15th will be my tenure. So I haven't even, I haven't even started on any of that stuff. So I guess the same would kind of apply. Like if, uh, actually I will use this platform to say it right now. Like, uh, Ooh, if in. someone would like to make a West Coast clear IPA or a pale ale with black coffee, which is very important uh i would love that i would love that to be a beer that i would put my um,
1: celebration
2: yeah yeah because (laughs) coffee the yeah the aromatic value of coffee in the morning we talked about this before we said hey when you guys have a beer do you I said, there's no hour that we won't have a beer. It's all about context. Right. If we're, you know, starting a brew day at four in the morning, um, well, that's a really great brewery that actually starts that early. I know that, that's your time nice, to start. I appreciate you. No, no, no. Because like <laughs> you want to get through your day, right? So like, yeah, I mean, like um, at some point during that process, which is how many hours, Andrew, depending? Eight. Yeah. I mean, you might have a beer, so I might, you might. You might have it right off the bat, bat if, if let's say, you had a bunch of people coming over, right, for a co- collab. If whatever yeah. happened. Generally, people come in for a collab. You get mashed in, and
1: then yeah, so you got an hour to stand around and chat.
2: So coffee reminds me of my life as a as a in the software industry as a coder. It's productivity, the aroma. Um, I, that you're getting a fresh start, but the, the beer says relaxation and your mind, especially if it's a lighter colored beer, right? I'm in the glass. And so you have this sort of interior conflict. You've got relaxation and productivity and like, I love that.
0: Is there a beer out there right now that you're thinking of specifically or is right that just now, been a style no. you've always been kind of wanting? I know several breweries have done it. Uh, I know the last one I
2: remember in particular was Dark Sky uh, that, that did a very fine one exactly as I would. Like, um, I know that sometimes when I'm at a brewery with cold brew, I will mix my own. (laughs) Uh, that, that actually happened at Borderlands. I had cold brew and I said, Hey, uh, like, you know, give me a tool Avenue and put that much coffee on it.
3: So you, but you want a coffee IPA.
2: Yeah. That's one I've
3: ever had. I've had obviously like the, you know, your coffee Kolsch and your coffee blondes. And I've even had some, uh. Yeah, coffee, coffee stouts. stouts Coffee stout. Oh my god. And, and let me say, Wild. you know, the
2: obvious yeah. Arizona choice is the coffee college from Huss, which I do adore. I think the aroma is is like like unmatched. Like you can open that can on that side of the table and I will smell that coffee and I do oh, enjoy yeah. to smell that coffee. Mm-hmm. But I don't prefer that kind of coffee to drink yeah. and you do get a little of that perceived sweetness, not actual sweetness, but the perception of, um, the vanilla. Uh, I thought it was Amaretto, but it's not, there is, uh, that's not something I would, I would, I'll have a, a cup of that occasionally, but that's not my keep drinking this beer kind of beer for me. Um, so yeah. And, and also I like the snappiness of the bitterness, like, right. It matches, um, What are you pointing at? Nothing. It just dimmed and I was going to hit it. Oh, no, no. no.
0: No, (laughs) Don't mess with the board. We just figured it out.
1: We're
3: we're (laughs) good
0: recording here.
3: Something I hadn't thought of until you just started talking about this is the fact that I, my affinity for like drinking black coffee happened at the same time as when I started enjoying hoppier, more bitter beers. Yeah. And I never correlated those two until you said that about how the flavors actually can complement each other. Really well, and I and now I'm like, well, yeah, that makes total sense. Now it's just <laughs> blending coffee and beer every well, day yeah. all day. <laughs> Cuz before that I was like I was very much the um coffee flavored sugar milk. Right. Think, you know the Dutch Bros like Yeah. Like, Mocha—that's pretty much just
2: chocolate milk. Do that once in a while. Once in a great while, I'll do that.
3: It was like right when I started really enjoying like the Mm -hmm. different roasts of coffee and like just drinking in black and getting all those different flavors and all that actually correlates completely with when I started drinking. There there is
2: there is something to be said about having it properly integrated because you can do the mix, but you're not going to get with cold brew. You're not going to get the aroma. Yeah. Like I know you 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 use I know the beer is cold and all that stuff, but like the adding cold coffee to a beer isn't the same as it when it's brewed um probably you know the process of extracting the oils and well less oils but more the aroma is is an important thing um Mm -hmm. which again which i think Hus does really well and i know they don't i know they don't flavor the beer like the coffee they use a flavored coffee um back when i had an office there they would they swore me to never tell, and I won't. So, what, what brand they use? But um,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, it is a local brand. Um, maybe well, they're ready to talk about it. Now. Yeah, he's got maybe ten years in him, and he's not giving up any yeah. secrets. Oh, never, never,
2: never.
3: And well, then that's a that's a call to action here for anyone who want to appease. Rob's
0: <laughs> clear West Coast IPA with some coffee. Celebrate, not a piece. Answer the
3: call. They want to answer. call I'm
2: not some <laughs> brutal dictator here. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me.
3: Yeah. um Okay, so ten years. I have been here. I've been employed
1: by the guild for a year and a half, okay. but involved with the guild for nine years. That's awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. And that was so, with your time. Brew, you brewed beer for Uncle Bears and Perch, right?
1: Right. So brewing, I was very active in the guild. And then I was there for four years and then elected to the board. And I was on the board for four years. And, gotcha. And then
3: and in that, get, first give us like an a, a elevator pitch or a synopsis of what the guild does for the community in Arizona. And then I'm curious in those essentially 10 years that you both have been involved with the guild in some fashion, how has, how have you seen, or what have you seen change the most about the brewing community in Arizona?
2: Um, Well, the one story elevator pitch is we promote and protect Arizona beer.
1: There's your quickie.
2: Um, But it's more protect than promote. I think we promote, we use the promotion as a, as a means to making sure that we, both proactively change laws that um, affect our breweries um, more so than actually promoting individual breweries. Um, but the business conditions are, are primary and sometimes there are, 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 hard laws that we have to pass. And sometimes it's softly working with agencies, including the liquor department, but also um, cities and towns and zoning. Um, all those are very important. And um, I, I guess the, bigger extraction of all that is every state has different laws they'll they'll have a, a collection in our state it's chapter um, title 4 uh, all the alcohol laws are in there and we're a subset of that and most of those laws were developed um, over uh, the, the statehood um, and only recently maybe starting in 1995 or six uh, did they actually reflect some of the businesses that brew beer today. And uh, there are many, many um, gray areas, loopholes that are solved with rules and different administrations uh, coming and going and, and, and having their impact in the liquor department. And by the way, our liquor department is a law enforcement agency in other states. It's a it's a part of the tax revenue system. So, you know, I have an opinion about what this law means. We have Camila Alarcon, our, our, our lobbyist, who is the state's attorney, probably one of the most knowledgeable people in the state about alcohol laws. Uh, we have opinions, they have opinions and guns. So sometimes <laughs> we win that battle. And,
3: no, I, But I, essentially what you guys are doing is you guys are trying to create a, a legal environment that is conducive to a thriving...
2: Sure. Brewery and making sure that those standards are enforced statewide and not county by county, city by city. Um, we look for a level playing field. There shouldn't be a lot of difference in the laws that we operate under. If you open in Tucson versus Flagstaff versus Safford or some other small town, uh, generally small towns are anxious for our kind of business, um, you know, uh, I know a lot of people who live in different towns will say, "Oh, we're not very business friendly." You'd be surprised how business friendly they are. Uh, it sometimes just takes a little bit of explanation. Um, for example, uh, there's a there's a in Metro Phoenix there's a there's a town that didn't allow a brewery to put up a grain silo, even though uh, if you remember Gordon Biersch in the same city, they had a grain silo, but it was a sign. They somehow drew a distinction between a functioning grain silo in the mm-hmm. back that might peek over the top of the roof um, versus, you know, a grain silo that's assigned. Um, and, it, you know, like in, in that case, we weren't asked to weigh in. And I think gradually over time, that individual brewery found their own solution. But we definitely would have weighed in and we definitely would have had 250 um uh, of their
0: fans standing on that city's in, in that steps, case, to say what's going on here. Did that brewer have any clue about that law, like about the grain silo law? Or? Um,
2: I, 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 no. I mean, it wasn't that they that they made a, a a mistake in picking that city, but it's just one of those things that you know, like, I mean, you're dealing with a thousand details. Um, And that was just one that, you know, like, and it, and I don't think it was important to that brewery until they started to grow. So Right. Mm. So, so when
1: you first open, everything's cool and groovy. And then you're like, oh, man, we're making so much beer. We need a silo. But we can't? What?
0: Yeah. So the silo en-
2: enables you to get bulk pricing. And we've got actually very good bulk pricing as as breweries like Four Peaks and Santan. Um, it's all about shipping. So, you know, if there's a regular shipping line, so they use down. they
1: use railroad cars to bring uh, grain for brewing to Phoenix, right? And uh, that means that if you're buying from that particular vendor you can get great pricing on grain
2: yeah right and, and so
1: there are several vendors who do you can
2: that. mill it at will and you can rig it so it goes directly into um uh grist case grist case so you know you're you're, you're gonna save your brewer some some backaches yeah um it, it, it's cracked the morning of or the night before it's actually brewed as opposed to the pre-milled grain you'd have to probably get if you didn't have a silo yeah so yeah, oh, that's, well, a, I mean, that's a good point. You can do super
1: yeah. sacks. Uh, yeah. If you don't have a silo, you can do super sacks. So you can still get a little, it's between uh, bagged because they don't have to bag everything, which is obviously a huge cost. They just put it in a giant bag and then you can still use a mill and you can still mill bag grain too. Like, I don't, I don't know a lot of breweries here that get, um, pre-milled grain they as a brewer, you want to avoid it because oxidation well the brewery, the brewery
2: i'm talking about did and i know a couple others but they had pre-milled this is like this is like grain talk phoenix yeah. magazine grain talk yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> we're getting real deep into all, the grain I mean, it here it does affect Stand. the quality. like if
2: you have oh, sure.
1: milled grain and it's sitting around just hanging out Hopefully you're using it fast enough that it doesn't oxidize, but that's, what, five, seven days? And how long is shipping going to take? So when it gets there, you want to use it in the next two or three days? And mm-hmm. how does the schedule work like that? Are you receiving grain every two or three days? What a waste of time.
3: So it seems like this partnership is, is sort of a match made in heaven because, well, you don't have, like, a professional brewing background, right? Me, no. Andrew but does. But you do. Yeah. And so now you have the 10 years of experiences in the guild and you have a brewing. So like, I feel like that's a good combination
2: because. Oh yeah. We get along great. I mean, I mean, uh, I was super thrilled that, so to be clear, Andrew um, resigned from uh, uncle bears before he applied for the job. It wasn't like, Hey, I'm a board member. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work for you. You know, like, so it was, uh, it was before
1: the job was even available.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there was not an opening at the time, and um, uh, when I knew that Andrew was available, um, I I said, "Listen, there's no point in calling him the coordinator of anything." Like, um, I I said, we need to create this deputy director job because uh, if you think about it, I mean, there's one or two professional staff. Like, there's no succession plan when I leave. I need somebody who's who can speak for the organization, who can act on behalf of the organization. Who can um i guess we still don't have you on the uh signing on the checks and stuff but like we need to we need to take care of that because the person that i want to have in that's year job, two, by the way that's that's when you get on no my- it's just we just haven't got around to it after like a bunch of months yeah, but go to the bank yeah, yeah. <laughs> who wants to go to the <laughs> bank uh, but like i wanted somebody who who can if he said hey this is what the guild's doing in my absence or my lack of direction like <laughs> That yeah, we're gonna do that. Here's here's what I didn't like about that decision behind the scenes, or here's what I do like about that, or um, whatever. We just have to live with it because I know he's gonna have um, a capable response, and um, he's definitely gonna have a plan behind it. Um, so that's, that's awesome. the. I mean, I know it's like deputy sounds different to everybody, but that is the definition. If, if you All have right. a, a hey,
1: the uh, TTB is also advertising right now for a deputy director position. FYI, where's that pays $187,000. It's in Washington, D.C., the tax and trade bureau. It's the federal government
2: agency that it's going to be real awkward when we're in D.C. in a couple of weeks and we're both there sitting in there. <laughs> I know. It's
1: going to be so.
2: No, it uh, closes today.
0: Oh, so. Yoan, I was just in D.C. earlier this month and i ipas are not their specialty by the way it's uh (laughs) anything but an ipa get to get a stout get a vienna lager yeah Yeah. get some far away from any good west coast beers for sure so i'm
3: curious um in in your time you know people don't think a lot of you know there's breweries oh let's go to a brewery whatever they don't think a lot about all the different rules and how things have changed in order to make the whole she's gonna ask the question i'm gonna i'm just gonna ask like what do you think has been in your eyes the biggest like the most impactful law that you've helped pass that has like smoothed the route
2: yeah um so it's sb 1030 which is we have a poster on the wall there the airs on a beer bill yeah um and 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 um it did two things one is um well, it did three things the first of is is it allowed uh a, a pathway to growth beyond forty thousand barrels and at that time only four peaks was in that camp
0: and, and this was 2015 is
2: that the year uh fourteen fifteen. yeah we were struggling with this problem and and the initial was like let's just raise the cap from forty thousand to some number um and we didn't get a lot of uh we, we got nothing but pushback uh, because again, this was probably the first time that we asked for something that was um, existential to the industry. Uh, it wasn't just like, Oh, you know, we need to change this language. So some of these small things can happen. This was a direct challenge to um, some of our stakeholders. Um, they thought like we were uh, we were normally just dispatched because we didn't, they didn't, ha- they didn't have a full-time person running after this. So they had part-time people or they had an activated board and those aren't the same things. Um, So a lot of this is just longevity, being in the job, talking to people, knowing people. So, I mean, I I think I'm pretty good at some things, but I'm not going to take, this is just a function of, and by the way, I was the 13th full-time director hired in the country for this kind of job. So it was the foresight of the board to say, Hey, we need, we need to have somebody doing this.
3: Um, When you say we, do you mean, the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild, or more yes. of a national.
2: No, no, this is all the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild. Seeing um, that, recognizing that they're not, you know, um, they're uh, we're 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 fairly substantial, I think now in terms of our our, our notoriety breweries, but volume wise and in a lot of other ways, we're not. We're not the 13th best per se, like volume wise or number of breweries or all that stuff. But we do, I think we definitely are in that top. I think we're in the top 10 for a lot of things. I won't get into that, but um, exactly. But but uh, that law allowed us to show blue sky investment beyond 40,000. Because like if you if you told somebody like, hey, when this, we, we're, we need 3,000 more barrels and then we're maxed out and we can't.
3: So when you say it allowed for... Is this a production cap?
2: So 40,000 barrels, Uh Four Peaks would have had to close their satellite location in Scottsdale. So that Scottsdale, which by the way, they closed on their own. And, And I know there are some people who still believe that there is some sort of tie to ABI having a hand in this. This strictly dealt with the Series 3 license. The Series 1 license, which Four Peaks has now and which ABI would have, has nothing to do with this. They have no... Role in this. So, um, what's happened now is you've got now um, Santan who's at thirty five. Oh, they, they're at forty. They they they, at 40. F- they flirt with forty. They go over the line. They come back over, but they don't have to change how they do business. Oh, aren't they also number one now? They are also number one <laughs> because because we grandfathered them in. Yeah. Um, do this to do this law change. Huss is at like 23, 24. I mean, mm, higher. But, so this yeah.
3: law essentially allowed for breweries to produce more than that yes okay. it, it, it should
1: it, that it, was one part of what it did right it's right. increased the production cap from 40 to
2: 200,000 200 000. 200? Holy yeah cow. at, at 40,000 though they have to work with a distributor which is already is which already happens you
3: know sure country that produces oh, that yeah. Country? oh yeah beer
2: yeah a bunch i yeah. mean
3: besides the big ones like Miller sure. and Coors, Firestone Walker, walkers Nevada. Yeah. 200,000 barrels oh yeah that's that's, that's low yeah a million jesus yeah it's
0: okay. So what's the other that. things that that's it did? So
1: much
0: beer! You well, have a lot more drinking to do, Johan. You got to get yeah. started. <laughs> started. Yeah. So the other thing it
2: did is allowed us to uh, have breweries sell other Arizona brewery beer.
0: So um, I like that one a lot. By the way, I I picked yeah. up uh, some roses by the stairs, just going into Goldwater Longbow the other yeah. day. I'm like, I can I know I can go in there and get Twelve West or a Wilderness, sure. and right. in addition to the well, that's a Goldwater slightly stuff, different you know? thing.
1: Yeah. Um so one yeah. of the first things was if you did a collab say um Huss and
2: uh well I'll tell Simple you Simple Machine are doing a I'll collab. T- I'll tell you the historic example. It yeah. was Yarnel 19. Um, Prescott Brewing did a uh, collaboration and I Mm -hmm. I, I think no less than 25 breweries took part in it. And they all contributed either grain or labor uh, uh, funds for, for, for packaging and all this stuff. And they brewed it all at Prescott. Well, there was only a handful of places in the state that could sell that. And those are the places that had this other license, number seven, like Goldwater does. Like it wasn't common for breweries to have second locations necessarily. So Prescott's could sell it, they could only sell it through their distributor, um, Hensley.
1: But the other collab partners could not sell it at their tap rooms because it was brewed at Prescott and the only beer that you could sell at a brewery tap room was beer brewed at that location, period.
2: Right. Wow. So for that reason, and also for other business reasons, um, we said they should be able to sell up to 20% of other Arizona beer, uh, brewed beard, uh, brewed beer. Um, and that's, yeah. that's, that's historically, um, what wineries do. They can sell 20% of other of wineries. Um, and this was
3: passed in 2014, 2015?
2: Yeah, like uh, I had never, uh, yeah, this is why pretty I never, pretty experienced sure. I did my research so it was 2015. Yeah. Have... He's
1: like, I was 10. No. Well, <laughs>
2: no. So, so th- that helps to start up brewery. Um, I know of at least uh, three breweries that you know opened with a super small system and they got destroyed in the first month and like. Um, I know some breweries that have changed ownership, and they didn't hand off the, they didn't do the paperwork properly, and they were down for three months. But they could collaborate with other breweries, bring some beers in, still put their name on it with, you know, some credibility, uh, and and get that done. There's other ways to solve that problem, but. Um, That's among them, and it's also you know it's it it folds into what I think we do best. It's not that we're ninety nine percent asshole free in this industry; it's that we cooperate with each other and that we network really well with each other. I like that. Like, no, no, we're not. We're not. <laughs> that, used to, that used to be the old thing. Ninety nine percent. That was Sam, Sam Caljon. and it came from a good place, but like honestly, yeah. it was it was
3: well, and not the, the right collaborations thing. are such. I think such a like fundamental piece of yeah. Arizona beers. Like you go anywhere and there's always some collaboration right. between, uh, it's, you know, even this beer that we're drinking right now is Boulevard shop and pivot cycles. Like, so yeah. that, like collaborations are such a big part of the whole thing. So I can't even imagine if not, not yeah. being able Like, why would you do a collaboration if you can't even pour it at your own tap room? Like, there so are
2: other reasons, but yeah. 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 Well, so you can get super cynical Learning. about, about these collaborations be like, cause like we, we sort of do too. Like, it's like, oh yeah, i doing a collaboration. Oh really? What was, you know, like what, what is it? What is it? You know, like you don't actually have to physically be there. Like technically speaking, because the collaboration isn't instantiated in any kind of law, right? Like uh-huh. yeah, you could just say it's a collaboration beer with whatever. And like right. you maybe even don't even change your recipe. Like that's how cynical it can be. But I will tell you, if you go to some of these, um yeah there is some networking there is some drinking there's some high fiving there's um uh but there is a camaraderie and there is also an exchange of information about what, yeah, how to, how knowledge. things work knowledge like yeah. oh you guys are you guys got that new um rig in your in your mash tun I'm I'm looking at it or what its the advantage but it could be super super and processes granular
1: and everything like oh what do you use for
2: your sanitizer
1: cuz there's lots of options Right. and why do you like it Right. These are just conversations that happen when brewers get in the same room.
2: Right. And and you know we have a giant one with with uh, women in the industry, and it's like literally like, um, like it's a it it can be sort of a pre-interview for a lot of different people, not not just the brewer that's hosting. But and it can be you know this this thing where if you're like I loved uh, I love this brand I love this brewery I love everything about it but I would never work there why well because I don't get to name the beer it could be as super granular as that (laughs) right or or you know like I their marketing you know isn't what I like um, but I do it's you get to see that side of it and and in that particular case you have people coming from sales marketing so it's super wide uh thing and it's like you 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 know you get like oh i didn't think i would ever work at this want to work at this brewery but like now i see what they're doing so what i like too is that
3: some of those breweries that do a lot of collaborations i feel like have sort of used that as a platform to almost incubate smaller breweries like simple machine that comes to mind. Like they, they do all these collaborations with these smaller up and coming, or even, you know, like Kitsune before he even had a location was doing beers over there. And it, it sort of like puts them on the map. It gets them exposure. It gets them like people hear about them and know about them. And like that to me is such a cool piece of the community is that it's like, you know, the whole rising tide lifts all ships mentality. And so I think this. Dude, we talk hear about that. We hear that. I feel like Metaphor said, a
0: lot, for sure.
3: Right. I feel like this talk of collaborations is a, a decent time to make an announcement.
0: Yeah, uh, we can plug um, a Phoenix Beer Co., Phoenix Magazine collab. Yeah, uh, Beer Day is Thursday. Is that we're right? We're
3: brewing next week, uh, and it's going to be available at our Best Fest event. They're going to be exploring it. Uh, it's going to be called Phoenix Magazine's First Draft. A Southwest, oh, a Southwest IPA. It's a Southwest IPA, which is a, essentially a brown ale malt bill with an IPA hop schedule. So a nice malty
0: IPA. Very exciting. And we'll, we'll make sure to put in the word that Rob wants his on beer for his, his 10-year anniversary <laughs> coming up. So yeah, exactly. maybe uh, maybe Popeye and uh, Brian over there can help you out. So there you go. <laughs> um, We'll take a little break and tell you about Best Fest coming up on August 5th, downtown Phoenix. It's at Events on Jackson. If you went to the event last year, you know how great it was. We had that. Same, we have the same spot, uh, Events on Jackson, it's August 5th. Tickets will get you in at 6 o'clock, uh, unlimited bites. We have drink tickets. We'll have all sorts of vendors that you can shop from, you can eat from, you can drink from. The tickets are on uh, sale right now, tickets.phoenixmag.com. They're limited, uh, so get them fast, because they're going to sell out. You're going to have vendors like Simple Machine, Kitsune, uh, breweries also like Petal House and Phoenix Beer Co. We have a collaboration beer, first ever Phoenix Magazine collab beer that we're doing with Phoenix Beer Co. It's going to be available there that night. Very excited about that. Uh, More details coming on that soon. We're actually brewing that this week on the 13th over at Phoenix Beer Co. Going to be a fun day uh, Yeah. So anyways, Best Fest uh, food includes like a hash kitchen. If you're a VIP, um, I heard a rumor from my editor that Bianco is going to be in the VIP room too. Um, so very, very fun, uh, lots of food, lots to drink, lots of people to interact with, scavenger hunt. Uh, we have some great sponsors, Desert Financials presenting sponsor, Camelback Moving is our scavenger hunt sponsor we'll have puppies thanks to the Arizona Humane Society and Poopy Doo Dog uh, Waste Removal. So, make sure you get your tickets to Best Fest. They're at tickets.phoenixmag.com, tickets.phoenixmag.com. Now back to us with the Guild guys.
3: Very cool. Okay, so
1: so that's the second thing it did. That's the second thing. So it, it increased the, we have the cap a, we have, yep. it allowed for 20% of other Arizona beers. Right. the, third, the thing.
2: third thing is it gave us a seat at the table. Oh, with no. it,
1: it also codified it did that, that too. a brewery yeah. can have seven additional retail licenses because before that, it was kind of a wishy-washy thing. There wasn't yeah. a rule, there was not a number, some agents interpreted, interpreted the microbrewery license as just that, and if you were to get something else, you would be violating Tide House rules. Yeah. So yeah. this codified it, you can have additional licenses. It,
2: in in some respects, though, it was a concession that we gave up because, uh, technically speaking, we could argue we had unlimited.
1: We could argue, but it would have gone, right. and again, to so the you're agent's about, interpretation. But you're talking
3: about food. You're talking about retail. So, so, so retail talking.
1: licenses being like, a, like you have your number three brewery license and you can have seven more number 12 restaurant licenses or yeah. some beer
2: wine bar licenses if you don't if, have a restaurant if so you produce can go if in you the produce airport beer.
0: And things like that or you yeah. can stack
2: well that's that's actually a different case altogether oh, okay
0: if, if if you could have as
2: many if you produce beer you could have as many of those as you want whether you sell um uh spirits or in conjunction with a restaurant or wine with some other kind of license, those are retail licenses and you have seven of those. We could have argued that we have unlimited because it was not specified. However, um, that opens the, that would have opened the door and you have to put yourself in like that era. And go back, pretend the, you're back in 2014. Right. At that time, um, there was a restaurant group that was, uh, that had some uh, race car money. Not the one you know about now, maybe, but um, they were—they had 25 locations across the state. They were talking about opening a brewery and doing what's called a hub and spoke, and they would be able to supply beer to all their restaurants. And like, you know, in the scope of things, like, like some of our Arizona breweries weren't in those places anyway. But that displaces a lot of national product, and that national product has to go somewhere. Like, it has a cascading effect. But the hub and spoke model was just as threatening to us as it was to some of the distributors uh, because they don't like that model either. So, uh, California had six, we asked for seven then. Um, but there are different ways around that, that, that are already in place. So we knew we had some, we, we had some, um, some pressure relief valves to get people to where they want to be. We're probably gonna, somewhere down the road. We'll have to probably revisit that. Um, but we, we, we got 10 years of, of peace out of this deal. Um, but, um, the seven, I mean, at that time also like Whole Foods had a brewery in Austin and we were concerned about that mm-hmm. because that has implications on the shelf too. So it was a hedge. Um, it was a safe bet, uh, because we've still, we still have places that are able to, to go beyond that. And one of the ways they do that is uh, mandated by the state. Um, if you're in an airport location, you, it has to be a franchise, um, uh, situation so the oso location the santan location the four peaks location uh I I mean, phoenix barrio, Bierco,
0: barrio, yeah barrio also
2: in tucson which nobody knows about because i didn't even know about it because and i and i've flown there <laughs> um but uh uh all those are are um through ssp or whoever the 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 aramark aramark or, or the, aramark or the Ox- franchises yeah um and so that doesn't count as a license, but, you know, it counts in terms of like selling their beer and, and representing their brand. So that's a franchise. And so that franchise concept uh, can also be used for breweries. And um, I I know some of them. I don't know all of them. I don't want to get into who's a franchisee versus who is an actual own tap room. And I don't think it makes any difference, but um, that is a way um, to get around the seven limit. So some of them are, if you counted, some of the breweries are beyond that. There are some other concepts that are related, um, but that's that's the solution to that. And mm. and and so far, it's pretty comfortable, but we may have to revisit that because of some national things going on, which we're
1: always looking at yeah. <laughs> all yeah. day. You guys, you guys go to D.C. Oh, wait, we're not done with this topic. Oh, you go one oh, yeah. more. So the, what's the other thing? The third
2: thing that gave us a seat at the table. <laughs> Fourth. So it gave us, I, <laughs> three, wasn't gonna go, I wasn't going to go into that because it's a long winded. Yeah. Okay. But the, Sorry. it gave us a seat at the table. We we um, work now hand in hand with our, our sometimes adversaries, sometimes friends. Um, these would be uh, major retailers, uh, the, the total wines of, of the world. Drizzly. Drizzly. Uh, um, people who represent other alcohol interests as lobbyists, uh, distributors, Wine distributors, spirits distributors, um, uh, very large breweries. I mean, you know, ABI and Miller Coors have a seat at this table. And um, it's not like we say this passes or doesn't pass. This says we have a discussion about what we all agree in common and we try to pass the laws that help everybody. Right, um, that makes sense, and and some of those liberal liberalizations, most of those liberalizations help sell more beer, or they help us directly. So, if it doesn't pass that discussion and get into our our group bill, it's no longer called an omnibus bill. Uh, it's it's called something else. Liquor. But- or just our At liquor. We call camp. it our liquor stakeholders bill, but stakeholders for other political reasons, we can't call it an omnibus bill anymore. But, but um,
0: so to kind of like dumb it down for me, uh, particular Johan, yeah. um, it's a uh, kind of open the door for the the recent brewery growth here. Would you say that's right? Like that? How many? How many in the last eight or nine years are a direct result of? Do you think? you know the the friendly laws that have gone into place in arizona well i think
1: that probably 80 of the 100 plus breweries are a direct result of arizona's liberal laws not the ones that we necessarily made it was based on a liberal um, policy but the fact that we can get together with these other interests in the industry and Find common ground on things that they think are important and we can either say, Yeah, I agree with that, or uh it doesn't really affect me. So mm-hmm. you
2: can go outside of that process and and and, and people then, can run bills, but then
1: if like there were groups in that organization that were not in favor of our ten thirty uh goals, we have to run a separate bill so i mean it's much easier to get the common bill through because the people in the industry all look at it and the department of liquor license control also sits at that table so if they think something is not cool they'll be like nope not going to do that it's mostly if
2: they can if they find an enforcement problem that's their only lever on it and honestly we could we respect that opinion but we can go around that too
0: is there a favorite legislator (laughs) <laughs> you guys okay, we'll with, oh, just you, like not to put like, like the R's and D's on it
2: but are there like go into into that, to? That, I just want to I just want to mention that again that that group Um I'll give you a super easy example on like something we passed it that would have taken forever had we not done that Uh have we, have we not had this forum and it is right now it's run by Steve Barkley who represents the distributors the beer distributors of Arizona BDW8 <laughs> B D W A Z. Um, they they uh uh, uh uh we there there was a law that said that you can only serve a certain amount of beer per um, visit, right? Okay. Like it was it was uh forty ounces oh. of beer
0: per to a customer, right? Okay. So yeah.
2: how many how many twelve ounce bottles can you buy? Right. Or twelve ounce cans yeah. with forty.
0: Lesson three, three.
2: lesson four, yeah. So if you're with two couple, if two couples like, <clears throat> you can't buy all four, right? So it was forty. Uh, Miller Cruise came out with a twenty five five ounce can, so two is fifty. So like they said, hey, do you want to change it to fifty? I'm like yes, because that's for us. That's four cans or um, how many um, sixteen ounces? It's still three, but. Uh, it's more, it's more beer, right? And some of our, you know, some of our cans and bottles and and not bottles, but are in those, in those venues. And, and so like sports, right? Well, back then,
1: Phoenix Beer Co., no, Phoenix Ale Brewery yeah. had...
2: Bombers. The bombers, uh, 20 22, bombers, yeah, 2022. Bombers at Chase Field. Chase Field everywhere. Yeah, they are. So Two you them. could
1: only get one because yeah. it was over 40 ounces. Sure.
2: So that's something we agreed on as a beer industry and said, yeah, right. I mean, definitely Miller Cruise has the special advantage of having 25 ounce cans, but like I don't think anyone cared about that. Now that and that was before 192, so I don't I'm not good at math, but like we we used it from 40 to 50, so it made it made more sense, right? Um, but weirdly is only thirty-two ounces on a boat, but I'm like, where? Who, what <laughs> boat has a liquor license that you know of? I only know of one, but and like, why is there an eight-ounce difference between a boat
0: and a, like the tour like, boats that go out on the lake and stuff? I like get Canyon Lake like uh, a tours? A problem.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know as a commercial license though. I don't know. Because, like, the ones that are casinos, I don't think qualify as watercraft. I think it's only, like, the Steamboat Dolly or whatever on Canyon Lake yeah, or whatever. I don't know. But, like, we said, oh, yeah, let's get rid of that. Because, like, how is this? Uh, God rest my soul, if I eight ounces is going to kill somebody on a boat. And I made that mistake of agreeing to that. No, I guess it was
0: more than that. But you get my point. It was, yeah, like... So that's that's. I where think it has to do with where people out. go pee on on the boat necessarily. That's, <laughs> that's it. You don't want to you don't want to go sixteen ounce. But I, but I didn't have I forgot, to have to I go. Totally ran over your question which was oh uh favorite legislator oh the years. so many many years
2: we we had um jeff Weninger, uh chandler republican ran a lot of our bills and uh mostly agreed with a lot of the stuff we parted ways on a, on, a, on an issue that, uh at the end of his term he ran for treasurer he would have been the treasurer had not Kimberly Lee, kimberly yee the current treasurer, she ran for governor. She didn't pull well. She went back and said, Ah, guess what? I'm the treasurer again. Yeah, I'm gonna run. So, um, he would have been an, an excellent uh, advocate at the, at the statewide level. Um, I, my understanding is he might run again. I would support him heavily. Um, he owns Floridino's and um, Dilly's Deli. Oh,
0: yeah, uh, they've uh, they have a food truck sometimes show had, up at yeah, beer yeah, festivals. Pizza, yeah, the yeah. pizza yeah. muffins.
2: In, in the meantime, yeah, yeah. um, the last <laughs> person who ran our bill was Matt grass uh i don't remember what district he's from um we've only had one year with him but he's been super accommodating on our issues i say this with a lot of trepidation because i don't agree with all of their issues um but i have to i have to live in that environment with a lot of people who i don't agree with um but we agree on some things and i'm happy to tell them about Our businesses, and by the way, our businesses, um, I I think consumers might think they lean left, but a lot of the owners lean right. Uh, So I I don't think you notice that a lot. I
3: feel like beer is sort of nonpartisan in a lot of ways. Well, it should be. Unless there's a... It should be. I would a hope it would stay.
2: Yeah, I would hope so for sure. It it should be pretty, yeah. you know, middle of the road on, on that. But I mean, individual people can disagree or go their own road. But uh, road. But I think you know, if you're going to be a, a house of the public, you have to do that. But you know, um, on some issues, the only the only people who need to win by fifty one percent our politicians mm. uh, the rest of us don't affect don't, the rest of us business people um, don't touch a hundred percent of the state and you can draw your own circle around what you consider to be your audience. And there are still millions of people. I mean, just in Phoenix, like, right. If you said, I only went 15% of the Phoenix market, that's still a, a lot of people. Sure. So that's kind of what we're going through as a industry, um and um i haven't sort of like thought enough to do a podcast on it fully but like it's who are we and what do we do yeah and that's uh that that's uh if you recognize that that's uh uh there's a speaker um this keeps my mind right now but like his definition of culture is who are you and what do you do like people like us do things like this um seth gooden so Depends on how you draw those circles.
1: One other thing is that Arizona politics is different from national politics, where you don't have people in there for 40 years. These are working people who are theoretically part time lawmakers. Uh, so they come in and out. So holding on to one person, as we were so fortunate to have Jeff Winninger be um, passionate about the state in that way to be in there long enough to have helped us a ton. Um, you know, it's it's great to have institutional knowledge, right? And sometimes when you don't have that, it becomes a circus. What? Um, the things we did this year were three. So we have, um, there's more, again, this is the industry group that got these laws through, which have been passed by the legislature, signed by the governor, and just waiting for the legislature to close to become effective 90 days after the close of legislature. So there are additional ID types for Mexican citizens. Uh, it was formerly passports that were allowed um, the rest of the state law allowed for uh, driver's license and border crossing cards. Title four did not allow those, so we brought those into Title
3: 4. This is for, like, if you get asked for an ID at the... At- yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And they would have to have a passport.
2: And there's millions of dollars of people coming up here to shop, travel, and it, it used to be just... Sporting just-
1: events, concerts, all kinds of things.
2: Yeah. yeah. So we're missing out on dollars of people who are of legal age who come up here and they're not able to buy alcohol. So they're probably just sitting in their hotel rooms, probably drinking anyway, because yeah. somebody... Yeah. But, but you know, instead of going out and taking part in, in our part of the economy and yeah. culture, Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: and then we also have a new function for a festival license. So what we do in our events, your events, our events, uh, is a special event license different from what I'm talking about. So special event licenses brought up is, um, applied for by a nonprofit or a political party or other charities, a charity, which is a wide yeah, yeah. interpretation, but, Um, this new license type is just incorporating breweries into what's an existing license for spirits and wine where you can get what's called a festival license. And this allows you to, the brewery applies for it, not a nonprofit. It allows you to do sampling and sell a package product to go. So if you go to a wine festival, they're always selling bottles, right? Mm -hmm. And you never see that at a beer festival because we couldn't. So now this becomes an opportunity for our breweries to, say, go to a farmer's market and do sampling and sell package to go or put together their own festival with a few of their friends and do some sampling and package to go.
3: So does this
0: mean that like. By the way, Johan's eyes and ears were perked up the entire time you were talking about that festival, by the way. (laughs) So does does that mean
3: mean the breweries get this license, and so as an event organizer, if the breweries participating have this festival license? Every
1: individual brewery would have to get that license.
3: Would have to have that license. Right. So the the festival organizer doesn't necessarily have to have that. The festival organizer cannot
2: get that license
3: it's only available I mean, they to they don't need to get the series the, the other the special events like their license
2: there there are they, reasons why you would want to have both and there are reasons why you would not want to do both and uh, they they fall on the issue of liability yeah.
1: yeah so if you have people at a at a beer festival traditionally like we run uh You'd want to, you don't want people opening up package beer that they bought from a brewery at that festival and like, oh, let's shotgun a beer while we're standing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, would it be a great look if people were through their festival time picking up their beer and then getting in their car or the parking lot and drinking more beer? Walking down the street. Could be bad. Could it, be it, bad. Are- so comboing those together may or may not be a great idea. Yeah. Um, that liability thing is going to have to be handled by both parties.
2: Well, and, and there's, there's the, I mean, this is, this is the, uh, a function of our role. Like we create opportunities for our breweries at the expense of our long term um, business model. Sometimes like this as a the, guild. The, the, yeah. The, these are things that like breweries may take advantage of and, and, and abandon our traditional ways of making money. Like, I don't think, we're in, in complete jeopardy here in terms of like that, uh, and, and we may have a role in organizing uh, because I, I think these things work better when there's marketing and and there's a and there's a cause based behind it and there is organization that between breweries, like, yeah, there's no reason why two or three breweries couldn't do this without our assistance. But like, if we wanted to say, hey, we've got this opportunity, we want to bring Tucson breweries up to the West side that normally have product available that wouldn't be, and we would help facilitate the, the pre-sale of that and all that stuff. There is a role for us there. It just depends on what, what piece we would need to, to, to supplement our income to keep this organization alive. But like, you can understand where... Well, I'll tell you as a classic example, wineries and distilleries had this right from the get-go and they don't have as strong, and I don't think to be offended, an organization as we do in terms of being, um, you know, full-time on lobbying, full-time on member services as, you know, they don't have that because they, and they're very much more independent don't work in concert. Don't collaborate. So it, we are putting ourselves at a little bit of risk with this license, but I think the payoff is is better in the end. Um, because, and the culture is established.
1: The collaborative yeah. culture, the work together yeah. culture, is so much more established in beer already. So adding this as a feature,
2: yeah. Well, and this, oh, is, this is this is this is something that we've uh, from the you know like this was something that wasn't interesting to the current the breweries at the time when I was hired, which was about twenty five of them because they. They Had their business model with, with the Tapper model, and with a lot of people getting into packaged goods and not and, and maybe not finding or hitting a, a, um, a ceiling on, on, on their sales for packaged market. Like, you know, a lot of them are never going to get into fries or Albertsons, or they might get into Whole Foods or they might get into Sprouts, but they're not going to see a lot of pull through. Um, mm-hmm. Just by sending product, I mean you have to do a lot more than that. Your distributor has to be a part of that, and so just getting it to the place isn't the be-all, end-all. I mean, it's a great start. So um, this is really a response to like, hey, we we need, if we're if if we were told, and this is back before 2014, like the goal of every brewery, we didn't believe it by the way, but, Oh, the goal of every brewery is to be just like Budweiser, just like create this brand hype and then just switch directly to manufacturing and and like stay out of it. Like Budweiser, right? Like they don't get involved um, in tap room, their own tap rooms, their own, that, that was, that was the model that was told to us, but like, that's not really what we believed. The reason Arizona success is, is successful is because there are a million different business models that you can run under the guise of a brewery. You could be a bike shop at a brewery. You could be, you know, a restaurant in a brewery. Obviously you can be all these things. Um, there are different business models. That's the reason why it's been successful. Yeah. And so we needed, now that we have so many breweries at the tap room model, we have to give them options. So that that's one of the, reasons why we, we, we did this, but it is putting some things at risk. And there are people who are going to come in who have nothing to do with us, who are going to pull these things together too. And, um, we're never going to get the credit for passing this law on that. I mean, that's, that's fine. As long as our breweries sell more and they understand what we do as an organization, you know, maybe our dues will have to go up. Maybe, you know,
1: what was our third thing
2: that we got passed this year?
1: Uh, I forget. Don't know. There are three.
2: Well, here's the here's here's the reason why. Normally, things would be already passed in the books right now. Well, it did get passed in. I mean, it got signed in April. The legislature has to shut down, right? And then ninety days have to. Collapse. So it, it could, I mean, it's it's still infinite right now. Signed it's still going, going, but I'm yep. like,
1: what was that? Thing yep. They,
2: they, they, they normally these, these, would be in effect. This is, this is the longest legislative session in the history of Arizona. Yeah. It's at 176 days. I think the record is 173. Um, it's not, they're not scheduled to meet until um, August. So mm-hmm. we're talking about another yep. month. Plus, you know, like. Take another week. All right, so. Well,
0: there goes uh, Arizona Craft Beer Awards Festival opportunity for that. I guess. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's I don't, not I, don't, some, I think that's more than ninety days you out right wanna, now. But.
2: Yeah, but it's not something you want to just bolt on. Like for it's, sure, it's not an automatic. You have to work with the individual venues, the towns. There's a lot of. Um, There's a lot of, uh, 92 uh, days, by the way. (laughs) Um, there's a lot of, uh,
1: uh, things you have to do. Like, yeah, you you can't just say I'm putting up a tent in the middle of the Fry's parking lot and selling beer. You have to get approval from a whole bunch of people, but it's
2: going to be harder to, it would be, it's going to be a harder license to get in some respects than the current festival license that we, Mm -hmm. the series 15, Um, and, and, you know, like you can't just post up, it's like, Oh, it's a farmer's market. I'll just ask them or tell them like, no, I mean, there's, there's business reasons why they wouldn't want you. There's reasons, even though they have liquor and and, and wine, there's reasons why they're like, no, or or, they make, make it prohibitively expensive because of wine, beer and spirits, you know, like you're carrying a bunch of liquid, um, you know, they sell one case and you're going to have to sell 10 cases to Mm -hmm. make the difference up. So, like, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if a farmer's market said, Hey, it's a thousand bucks for the weekend. Yeah. Like, can you make a thousand plus dollars in sales? If you're a bigger brewery, maybe you don't care. But, yeah. you know, you were yeah. uh, talking about all the other lawmaking stuff.
1: So, DC.
3: Yeah, I was going to, I mean, you guys go to DC every year, right? Or multiple times a year, once a year. There's like a big thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Once a year, uh, it's the Hill Climb, the Brewers Association, which is a national. Quote guild, kind of. Um, they put together their legislative team and bring all the state guilds together with hopefully some of our breweries to talk with our representatives and our senators about federal legislation that may have an impact on us. So, how's that go this year? That is July 23rd to the 25th. Okay. Yeah. Well, you said up. hill
0: climb. I thought they were putting you guys out hiking or something. You, I will do that. Oh, not you will do that. in DC at
1: yeah. no. the end of July though. No,
0: no.
2: That uh,
0: that'd be a sweaty yeah, experience for sure. So right now they're.
2: <laughs> I mean, in the in the past, it took uh, ten years, and mm-hmm. and we passed Kaboom Show, which is the craft beer modernization, craft beverage modernization tax reform act and that was what lowered our state, our federal excise tax. So it was cut in half. So it was $7. It went down to three, three fifty a barrel. So wow. that benefited our breweries greatly. Uh, but that took 10 years. Um, and that took, that started, that started when I was a home brewer and I heard about it. Um, so they did temporary, 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 every two years, it's going
1: to have to be renewed. Finally, uh, two years ago, 2021. Yeah. They um, made it permanent,
2: right? Right, and it hadn't been changed since 1970. Sheesh. So that's why it took 10 years. Um, people ask about shipping beer between states. Um, it took the one industry 30 years to change that. The first step towards that. I'm not sure where we're, we'll ever get there, honestly, because of the individual states that have to be involved. Yep. Uh, but we're the first, I guess, effort. With the brewers association we've been talking about for two years is to allow the the postal service where it's legal to deliver alcohol so uh in arizona it would be legal for arizona breweries to ship directly to um
1: arizona alcohol, consumers
2: arizona consumers uh it would be it's legal now uh, it would be legal through usps um they can't use uh they can deliver according to state law, deliver, but delivery is not the same as shipping. Delivery no, means- Yeah,
0: delivery is the guy from wilderness is pulling up right, in his right. his SUV into my driveway and I'm helping him unload right. during during pandemic, which I did order a couple times. So, so yeah. using a common third-party carrier,
2: we believe is legal. However, um, we, we actually have to convince the FedExes and the UPSs of the world. And we have not historically been helped by our liquor department, and because they um, they disagree with that interpretation, apparently, mm. and not in so many words. They, they uh, they've had
1: meetings with. You're these- saying they, as in the whole department. It's really they, as in one
2: agent. Yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. why. They, uh, well.
1: Okay. Hey, Rob. Guess what? <laughs> I think it's time for us to take a break.
2: I. I do need to pee.
1: Yeah, there's yeah, I mean, uh, there's things we to have refreshed. to do. We got to refresh the beers, get some...
0: Go ahead, take a break because I want to kind of shift it towards what our national um, perception of Arizona and beer mm. is now. A lot of awards sure. won recently, so cool. we'll take a break. All right, potty break time. That means it's the end of part one of this podcast. Part two, look for it on the same Phoenix Magazine podcast feed. Coming your way on Wednesday.